This is the Life Story Podcast, Season 1, Episode 2, with Mireya Fouché, Seasons of Life. Good morning. I am Kaylee B, and this is the Life Story Podcast. This podcast is a platform for people to share their life stories. Our stories don't always define us, but they can give us our purpose in life the reasons that we choose to continue experiencing life as a human on this earth with and for each other, with all of the painful and joyful moments. For the first season of the Life Story podcast, we're focusing on stories of resilience. Resilience is the ability to recover after a stressful or traumatic event. Hearing other stories makes it possible for us not only to empathize with their pain and their struggles, but also to feel and experience for ourselves the joy and love that can be found again after such intense experiences. My guest today is Mireya Fouché, a Mexican-American mother on a mission with a passion for humanity. For over a decade, Mireya has been building platforms dedicated to serving underserved youth and young adults nationally who have encountered homelessness. She's the founder of One Heart, One Soul, which is celebrating its 10th year helping youth experiencing homelessness through creativity and art. Mireya incorporates all things art and wellness into her days and believes there's power in our stories. They are our stories to tell. During this episode, you'll get to hear Mireya's story and how she cultivated resilience despite her encounter with homelessness and her struggle as a first-generation college student. Mireya, welcome. It's so good to see you again. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. That was a beautiful introduction. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for all of that. And thank you for helping me walk down memory lane of just so much beauty in your words. So thank you. Well, we are ready to hear your story. Um, I, I'm super excited to hear it again because it was so inspiring last time we talked. So why don't you go ahead and start and um, yeah, I'll sit and listen. I, absolutely. Um, thank you again for just allowing the space for me to share my experience, which um, come to find out is not just my experience, but the experience that hundreds of thousands of individuals, youth, college students experience um, on a daily basis across mm-hmm. the United States. Um, yeah. So I like to set the foundation and the backgrounds of who I am, because I think that plays a big part as to how I entered a season of homelessness. So being a first generation Mexican-American, it was difficult and challenging for my mother and I to navigate the educational system. Mm -hmm. Um, The educational system in Mexico is completely different than it is out here. So trying to understand the cost of, you know, the the cost of college and the cost of tuition with books Mm -hmm. and living and all of that comes with its challenges, especially if you're new to this society or this culture. So, um, I, yeah, so that's, that's my background. That's my upbringing. I spent many years going to college at a very slow pace. Um, Again, in our household, it's, you go to school, but primarily you work to help contribute to the household. That's just our culture. Um, And it just took a really long time for me to even get past 
in college, like from freshman to sophomore, it just seemed like it took three decades. It didn't, <laughs> but it felt like that. So at one point yeah. I made a decision that I was going to leave Chicago, which is where I was born and raised, and go to Los Angeles for school. Um, the classes that I wanted weren't offered in Chicago. It was a, biz- a big risk for me. I didn't have a support system in Los Angeles. I didn't have friends or family out there. It's just something that I knew had to happen in order for me to move forward in accomplishing my goals. You're so California I, dreaming. Like <laughs> totally California dreaming. Um, back then, my major was uh, fashion, so apparel manufacturing management. So mm-hmm. I I was drawn into the beauty of Los Angeles, which my heart is still there. Um, just the sunny LA and learning about fashion and business and the industry as a whole was what I really wanted. So I moved to Los Angeles and thinking I was in a well enough position to financially afford my cost of school with the cost of living and shortly realized I was way off. (laughs) Um, I I had experienced, I find myself being homeless. Uh, I had a roommate when I first moved to Los Angeles. My yeah. roommate um, had to move, so he had to vacate the apartment. And the housing that was offered at the school I was attending was extremely expensive, where it just wasn't even an option. I yeah. attended a private school. It just wasn't an option. It wasn't realistic for me. So... Um, I I didn't want to leave. I wasn't ready to give up. I wasn't ready to leave Los Angeles without accomplishing my goals of obtaining a degree. And it's so simple for some people. Like going to college and getting your degree is just something that happens. There's yeah. a whole other world where you have to fight a lot harder to obtain a degree. Um, so already there's already that like separation of lifestyles that exists in our culture. So for me, it was the fight that I have to have just to obtain a degree. So I had the choice of coming back home to Chicago and knowing that returning to Chicago would be another long process just to get a degree or sticking through in Los Angeles and figuring out how to navigate this um, just to graduate just to get a degree. So I chose to stick it out. And I found myself being homeless for about six months. Um, There's different types of homelessness. There are individuals who sleep on the street. There are individuals who um, it's considered doubling up that you're living with somebody else. And at any at any time, they can ask you to leave because your name isn't legally on the lease or on yeah. the housing. Um, couch surfing is another one that's really popular. That's That's the box that I fall into. So as a college student who was also working, um, so I was employed and I was going to school, I found myself couch surfing for six months. I would sleep on a couch of friends or friends of friends. I would basically stay in school from 7 a.m. until 9 p.m. because that was my safe space. Like I needed somewhere to be until somebody let me onto their space for the night. Um, and I think with that, it's a lot of that, a lot of that really gets us thinking, ideally, that people who are experiencing homelessness are not lazy, that they're not unemployed. Most of the people who are experiencing homelessness are employed, just can't afford the cost of living because the cost yeah. of living in this country is insane. Um, yeah. And you were working at this time too. I was, yeah. Cool. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I was attending school and I was also working um, 25, 26 hours a week yeah. so that I can go to school. I, I shared before that during this season, I had to pick up as many classes as financial aid allowed me to pick up because mm-hmm. I needed somewhere to be and something to do with my time. So yeah. I was taking at least, I think like seven classes at one time. I had the highest GPA. I, I was killing it with a four point, probably like a 4.2, um, mostly because I, I had nothing else to do yeah. like besides yeah. work and practically live in the school library until I found a place to sleep that night. Um, And that was a choice that I made to obtain my degree. Um, So six months went and there was a a housing opportunity that opened up as an RA and I applied. And after six months, I found myself having my own space. Um, Still not mine because I'm now working for the school. Yeah. But it was a space that I had a key to that I can access whenever I needed to be there. Um, It was challenging because for six months as a college student in my early 20s, you're living out of a suitcase and your backpack. So like my former life before I moved to Los Angeles with the LA Dreaming, um, I had a huge closet filled with clothes and accessories and jewelry and it was just a whole lavish life. And then you realize that you don't need any of that when you are really just trying to survive. Um, So I had my suitcase for six months. It was just me and my suitcase and my tote bag that was for school with all of my homework. And that was all of my belongings for six months. And that was my experience. And, and you, I mean, as a, as a college student, first of all, in your, in your early twenties, where you're kind of, you're forming, you're still forming your idea of yourself first of all, in your early 20s. And on top of that, you were like this fashionista before. And now suddenly you're carrying a suitcase everywhere, which is definitely not like, it's not a cute Louis Vuitton, Betsy Johnson suitcase. Oh no, none of that. It was like just American Airline travel bag that shoves in the overhead compartments and figure out how to fit as much as you can fit into that little space. Yeah, yeah. And so that, I mean, on top of, On top of the psychological effect of just like not being able to go home, there's this idea of like, this is all I have and who's looking at me, seeing me in this state that I'm in, in the season that I'm in, right? That like, I'm carrying around a suitcase with me all the time. Like, were you ever wondering what people were thinking of you at that time? Um, You know, I didn't have enough energy personally to think of what other people were thinking of me. I was very focused on myself. I I had journals. Um, My best friend was in Chicago and she was my lifeline. So we would talk every day. She would check in on me. I would check in on her. And, you know, I, I would I would often hear, you know, you can come home and what I appreciate about my best friend is that she knew that wasn't an option for me. So though it was a possible solution, it wasn't an option for me. So for me was figuring it out because I'm not returning back to Chicago without a college degree again, which is so simple for people, but in other worlds, it's just not that simple. Um, So I didn't have time to wonder how people perceived me and even looking back, I have conversation with friends that I'm still really connected with that live in LA. And they always tell me like, I didn't know you were homeless. You didn't look homeless. 
And yeah, that, that's one of the things that really um, I try to educate people on because there is no one way for someone to look homeless. Yeah. Homelessness yeah. doesn't have a box that people can fit into that we all look alike. And that, I think that's the biggest shocker because if you have conversations with people who are homeless, most of the time you don't recognize that because yeah. they don't look homeless. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's just a season, but a lot of people still tell me like, I didn't know you were homeless. You didn't look homeless. And I'm like, what does a homeless person look like? <laughs> yeah. What does it look like to you? That's, that's really interesting. And, and it kind of makes you wonder like how, I guess how you can, as, as someone who's not homeless, how you can be more supportive of people who are experiencing homelessness so yeah. that, you know, you're not putting people in a box. I'd like to kind of pivot our discussion now to this idea of experiencing homelessness. We talked before about um, instead of saying a homeless person, mm-hmm. someone who is experiencing homelessness and how that kind of shifts the perspective, right? Yes. Um, in, in how we perceive people who are experiencing homelessness and, you know, what that might look like instead of whatever ideas we have. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, one of my greatest passions in communication and in education is shifting the narrative. Mm -hmm. So going from saying the homeless person or Mm -hmm. the homeless just feels so definitive. Like it's just, that's your definition. That is the end. That is who you are versus someone in homelessness. Um, Seems like an action that you're passing through versus this is exactly who you are. Like it's not your name, it's your season. So I, I am very vocal about my experience, though it happened very long ago. It's really important for me to continue to share my story because oftentimes I still get that to this day. Wow, you don't look homeless. You don't look like someone who would have experienced homelessness. And to that, it's, it gives me the opportunity to educate a little bit. Like people yeah. who are homeless don't look alike. We don't fit in a box. There's no bullet points to this world. It's seasonal and it's something that happens out of circumstance. So yeah. t- saying that someone is the homeless or a homeless person, we push away from that as much as possible. For us, the narrative is someone in homelessness or someone experiencing homelessness because it allows a person to see a seasonal situation and it brings humanity back into the person versus yeah. the homeless and out of the, it just automatically as a society, it sets up the wall as them versus us versus us as a whole. So yeah, I, I thank you for bringing that up. That's really important for my personal mission in life, actually. Yeah. And it, and for the, the youth that you work with as well, it's like shifting that narrative probably gives them a different perspective of themselves as well. Mm-hmm. Can you talk yeah. about that a little bit? Yeah, how, absolutely. Like- so here's, um, and I, I loved your introduction because it, it highlights that it's things that happen in our life cause a passion for a purpose. Um, after, yeah. after experiencing homelessness, you know, I graduated school, I got my degree. Yay. I'm like, oh, was it even that serious? Like it doesn't feel <laughs> different. <laughs> it doesn't feel different at all. But um, I started working in a fashion industry. So mm-hmm. I was working production for a global fashion company. And I did that for a, a couple of years and realized that there was just this empty void where I recognize that's not where I belong. And I don't know if it's part of my journey that was meant to happen that brings me back here 
yeah. to launch everything else that I've done since. Um, because my entire life and my entire passion completely shifted because of my own six month journey. So I left the fashion industry. I left Los Angeles. I moved back to Chicago. Um, and at the time when I moved back to Chicago was during the time that the, the projects were being pushed down. Um, people were being pushed into different neighborhoods and that's when the violence started to escalate because now you're removing people from their zone. If anyone is familiar with Chicago, um, there's a lot of turf that takes place and you can't move someone from a certain set and put them into another set. And unfortunately wonder why there's so much violence that just escalates. So during that time, um, is when I moved back to Chicago and I was like, wow. what about the youth who are homeless? Like we, we hear about the adults, we hear about people in addiction recovery, we hear about families, all very unfortunate situations. But what about people who are my age or younger who are experiencing homelessness? And unlike me, they don't have an option to return. Like they, it's, it's just nowhere to go. Yeah. So um, with that question, I took action. I literally went to a shelter in Bronzeville and said, hey, um, I'd love to try this. I I don't have an organization. I don't have a business. I just have a passion and a heart. I was homeless and my outlet was creativity. I did writing. I did drawing. um, I did processing. Everything I did was a creative outlet for me. So can I offer this to your youth? And they were like, sure. We don't see why not. And I was like, all right, cool. So let's just go ahead and figure this out. So um, at the age of 27, I did this workshop and it started with nine, actually it started with one individual who I'm still really connected to. Yeah. Um, And from there, she told her colleagues who were also living in the same transitional living space. So it went from one to five to 10. And within that workshop, we had 10 individuals and then it just kept growing. You know, people just continued to invite me back. And then I had other people that wanted to volunteer. So volunteers started to join the mission and we ended up having one heart, one soul, you know, one heart, one soul was born when I was 27 years old, because I asked the question, what if, what if we extended our creativity, our platform ourselves to other people and help them process what they're experiencing. Um, 10 years later, we are still here and we're still active and we're still helping youth and homelessness process. And I would never have imagined this to be my life um, had we had this conversation when I was getting on a plane to Los Angeles. (laughs) (laughs) Nearly 15 years ago, I would have never thought that this would be where I am at now, but it's just, amazing um how it all happens you know it's yeah and when you talk about resilience I I just I forget that I am a resilient person because when you live through life as you do day by day and you commit yourself to serving other people so that Mm -hmm. they can see their beauty and their stories you forget that it takes a lot to get there um totally yeah yeah and and I mean your story is is kind of like in a way, like the poster child resilience story, you, you, you had your sight set on the other side and that's really what it is, right? It's like, you know what you're trying to get to and no matter what you're going to get there. It's, it's that constant, like knowing that understanding that you can get through it because 
you have somewhere to go. And I think like, that's kind of what, what you, what the organization does, right? Is that you, you show the youth that you're working with, that there is another side and that they can get there through whatever it is, the work that you are doing with them. Right. And so, so not only did, did you have this amazing story of resilience, but you also are teaching other people how to be resilient because you're showing them that there's another, there's another way of living. There is something that they can look forward to and, and there are skills that they can learn to keep like building that sense of self, that sense of confidence to get to that other side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's all, that's all hundred percent true. Um, Mm -hmm. Even going into like the spaces. So our team uh, travels. So we're the traveling organization. We don't have a building ourselves. So we pack up our workshops and we travel into the shelters that are providing services for youth who are homeless, whether it's drop-in centers, transitional living spaces, overnight shelters, we travel to where they're at. And at every session, I introduce myself, um, mostly because of the demographic. Sometimes you see an individual once and you never see them again. And sometimes you have relationships with them for 10 years, which, you know, is, we have that experience too. But because there's new people that show up at the workshops every time, I introduce myself every time. And I share my story as an intro every time. And the reaction is always the same every time from the students or from the youth who ask me the same thing. I didn't know you were homeless. <laughs> I didn't know you experienced this. Yeah. And um, I think the issue with that is a societal issue because we don't have enough spaces for youth to comfortably say, I am experiencing homelessness. It's a difficult season. Yeah. I still want a job. I still want to go to school. I still have my goals, but I'm here right now. And that's a societal problem because our youth who are experiencing homelessness still don't know that they're not the only ones experiencing it. Yeah. Our team has also experienced homelessness. And when they come in and they share their story, the eyes of the youth are like, what? You too? <laughs> and it's like, it's yeah. definitely me too. Like there's hundreds of thousands of you who are existing right now but because we don't talk about it enough or because we don't speak about it in a positive way it's still something that people don't recognize exists yeah work with youth who are between the ages of 16 to 24 though our program personally doesn't have an age out pro we don't have an age out restriction if we meet you at a shelter when you're 24 years old you can stay connected to One Heart, One Soul indefinitely. If you still need resources, we're there to help you. If you want to learn how to be a public speaker, we'll invest in you. If you want to come back and teach, which many of our youth have done, come on back and teach. Like There's no end date for One Heart, One Soul because me personally... I, I was a late bloomer. Like I didn't graduate college at 1920. Like it yeah. took me a long time. So sometimes life takes longer for people and they still need that support system. Yeah. And, and they have, I mean, then they can go through these different seasons with a support system as well. Right? That's key. That's key. <laughs> it's going from the homeless season to the, the speaker season to the teacher season. And that's, that's incredible, right? That is, that is ultimate resilience. Yeah. And it's, 
you know, it, it's a blessing in disguise. Again, had you asked me these questions, do you feel blessed when I'm actively homeless, pulling, lugging a suitcase and like breaking a sweat because it's 102 degrees and I don't have a car and I'm like walking uphill with all my stuff. I would not have said I am blessed. I definitely would not have said that. But you look back and you're like, you know what? It's cool. I, I, it's cool. We're here now and this is what matters. That's amazing. Medea, can you share, um, just like one one thing that you want the audience to know about resilience, about experiencing a season of homelessness, um, what what would be the one key lesson that you have learned that you want to share? You have to keep going through it. You have to walk through it. The most difficult thing emotionally, physically, mentally, is finding the inner strength to walk through it. Our natural reaction is in in seasons of discomfort or trauma or stress, we want to just stop because it hurts or it's uncomfortable. But if you don't keep going, you're going to live in this season for a very long time, longer than you have to. So What I always say is to keep going through it. If you're in a season where things are not perfect, keep moving forward. If you're in a season of like, you're currently experiencing trauma, I've experienced different types of trauma. Keep going through it. You have to go through it to come back out on the other side. If not, you're just going to sit here in the middle for a very long time. So that's, that's my one takeaway is just keep going. Awesome. I love it. Mireya, thank you so much for sharing your story today and all of the amazing things that you're doing. It's been such a pleasure to have you back with me. (laughs) It's always a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. So for anyone who is interested in learning more about One Heart, One Soul, the organization website will be in the show notes or on the social media post if you're listening online today. Um, You can contact Mireya or the foundation through the website. And please share the story because she's doing some amazing work. This is so Thank you. Cool. Thank you so much. Our team, our team is doing amazing work. We have, True. we have an amazing team who was committed. Um, it's, I could definitely not be doing any of this on my own. So it's definitely a team effort. And if anyone wants to join the journey, we're always looking for people to join the journey with us. On next week's episode of the Life Story Podcast, my amazing guest is Nikayla Leggett, a licensed clinical therapist and the author of children's book on bullying, Mama, Why Is My Flower Wilting? And of the anthology, Unchain Me Mama, an Amazon bestseller. Next week, you'll hear why Nikayla believes vulnerability is your superpower and hear her life-changing lessons on cultivating resilience through difficult times. Nikayla is such a joy to listen to, and I learned a ton from her. So be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Life Story Podcast, Season 1, Stories of Resilience. Bye for now.